Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Let's welcome Joshua one more time. All right, fantastic. Uh, Today I'm going to talk about never fight alone. And we're going to be talking about when the children of Israel were attacked uh, by the Amalekites in the desert from Exodus 17. So I'm going to go ahead and read the passage. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on the one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a, rem- as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. So let me give you a little context here. So uh, this is Exodus 17. I'm going to back up to Exodus 14. So anybody remembers what happens in Exodus 14? It's the Red Sea. So the children of Israel were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And the only thing they'd known is slavery. They're slaves. And God tells Moses, hey, I want you to go and I want you to rescue these people. And Moses is like, nah, (laughs) you got the wrong guy. I'm 80 years old. <laughs> um, but God says, no, this is my plan. He's anointed to go do it. And so when the children of Israel come to the Red Sea, um, they're really freaked out, of course, because the Egyptians are going to come and destroy them. And I love this. There's a passage where Moses is saying to God, like, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And it actually says in Exodus 14:15, God said to Moses, what are you complaining to me about? Raise up the staff that's in your hand and go across the waters and take this people with you. Uh, So that's what happens in Exodus uh, 14. But then a very interesting thing happens in Exodus 15. How many of you think that if you were a part of the Red Sea crossing, that you would never doubt God again? If you were standing there and you actually saw like the water just go on this side and that side, I will never doubt God again. This miracle is incredible. I'll never doubt God again. Anybody? Yeah. Oh, I mean, sure. If I saw this, I mean, this is crazy. So how long did it take the children of Israel to want to go back to Egypt? Three days. So three days later, the children of Israel, after seeing the Red Sea part, are like, we're out in the desert. There's no water. This is horrible. And so what happened is they found a well, but the water was bitter. 
And so a lot of times I think that's, that's the way that life goes, right? We're finding this well. We got a new job. We've got a new toy. We've got a new thing. And then we're like, eh, actually, this doesn't taste real good. Uh, this isn't going to work. So what Moses, God tells Moses, well, throw this, throw this branch in the water and the water becomes clean. That's Exodus uh, 15. So Exodus 16, uh, after they leave, they go into a place called the wilderness of sin. Um, and I can tell you from personal experience, sin is a wilderness. <laughs> uh, so there they are. They're out in the wilderness of sin and they're hungry. And so the children of Israel come to Moses again and they're complaining and they're whining and they're like, we're hungry. We had lots of food in Egypt when we were slaves. Now we're out here. I mean, we crossed over the Red Sea. We're supposed to live this life of freedom and victory. We're, we're in the promised land now. We're, 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 we've crossed the Red Sea. And, um, and Moses is like, uh, God, I'm, I'm kind of stuck here again. I need a little help. And so God gives the people quail and then he gives the people manna. And so, of course, after seeing the miracle of the Red Sea and the bitter water becomes sweet and then the quail and the manna, I mean, there's miracle, miracle, miracle. They're just everywhere. Of course, they're going to just have faith in God and they're going to move forward, right? No. <laughs> so then they come to a place called Rephidim. And in Rephidim, there is no more water again. And so now um, God does another thing. What God does is he tells Moses to go and strike a rock and he strikes the rock and water comes flowing out of the rock and all of the people are nourished. One thing I, I realized when I read that um, passage when they're at Rephidim with the water, this is Exodus 17 in the beginning, it says the entire congregation grumbled against Moses. So there's a million people out in the wilderness. They've been slaves for 400 years. And you got this one guy, Moses, and he's trying to lead these people. And a million people are grumbling about him. Who wants to be Moses? Y'all, who wants to sign up for leadership camp? It's going to be great. The entire congregation. Now, Moses, man, Moses is pretty, whew. He's a pretty straight up guy. <laughs> um, God blesses him. So here's the pattern. Um, that next slide. The, the pattern is whiny people, stressed out leaders, and a gracious God. Praise the Lord. You know, this is often the pattern of ministry. I've been in a lot of ministry. Here's a, here's a, here's a, here's the, uh, here's the strategic plan. The people are going to whine, the leaders are going to stress out, and then God's going to show up and do something amazing. Uh, if you don't understand the grace of God, just read the Old Testament. Over and over and over and over the graciousness of God he provides. But now we get into the battle of Amalek. And I promise, I was a little nervous about sharing that slide about whiny people and stressed out leaders and gracious God, because I didn't want anybody at Seeds Church to think like, oh, JD was like, hey, Josh, I got these whiny people. Can you, can you, come, and, can you come and set this up a little bit? And I, so I promise, 100%, that was all me. That was not any kind of intimation. I have heard nothing but blessing uh, and favor on the people at Seeds Church. I'll just you know, make that clear. Um, 
Okay, so here's what happens. This is the attack. So the children of Israel, they're out in Rephidim. And it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And we have another passage that's in Deuteronomy when they're recounting the, the, what happened to the children of Israel in Israel um, in, in the desert. In Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 18, it says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Now, when you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of symbolism. And one of the most important things to do when you're reading in the Old Testament is look for connectivity. What, when did this happen before? And one of my favorite things to do is look up the different words, the different names, and to see, like, where does that word come from? What does that word mean? What is the root? So let's, let's look at this guy, Amalek. Who's this guy, Amalek? So Amalek was a descendant of Esau. So you remember, Abraham had Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob and Esau. So Esau was like the hairy guy that was a great hunter, he's a fierce warrior. Isaac's kind of like smooth-skinned skin guy, but he's a bit of a charlatan. Um, Jacob, that becomes, Isaac, uh, becomes Israel. So, so check this out. So here you've got Jacob and Esau wrestling in the desert, and then 500 years later, you've got Jacob and Esau wrestling in the desert. So Amalek is a type in the Old Testament of the flesh. So we're all going to wrestle with the flesh. Jesus said, you know, you've got the flesh and the world and the devil. But the, pro the, the thing where we wrestle, where we wrestle is we wrestle with the flesh. Because the devil is out here and the world is out here and the flesh is right here. So how am I going to respond to the devil? How am I going to respond to the world? That's in the flesh. So when I look at this word Rephidim, Rephidim, you know what the name Rephidim means? The derivative of Rephidim is a place of rest. So follow the symbolism here. You've got the children of Israel. They're at a place of rest and they're attacked by the flesh. Has this ever happened? Uh, I know this happened to me. And it's not just the attack when I know I'm charging into battle. It's the attack where things maybe aren't that hot. I'm not, I'm not thinking about battle. I'm not thinking about war. I'm just going around and doing my thing. So what happens is that the flesh attacked the people who were not keeping up with the children. So I'm going to ask you, I got a couple of questions. The first is, are you keeping up with the assembly? Amalek was strategic. He didn't come and fight the main force of Israel. He didn't come and fight the people who were showing up on Wednesday night and early for prayer. He attacked the people who were straggling behind. In your walk with Jesus, are you straggling behind? Is the move that God has for you up here and you're kind of a little bit back here? Well, if I get it, it's so hard to get up. I mean, this is, this is the children of Israel, right? I mean, it's so much easier to just whine. I mean, the, they're all up there. They walk so fast. You know, but if you are straggling behind, if you're not caught up with the camp, you're a target. 
You are, you are a target for the flesh and the world and the devil, and you're in danger land. So I want to say, you know, if you're not those people catching up, but if you're up with the assembly, do you have your radar out for the people who are kind of straggling along? Listen, if God can put up with whiny complaining, you need to put up with whiny complaining. And don't just leave those people behind you. Is it worth it for them to get picked off by the enemy? No. So write a list, make a radar. Who is straggling behind? I got to go get those people and I got to catch them up. You're not coming to Wednesday night? Come on to Wednesday night. You know, you're not coming to the prayer meeting? Come to the prayer meeting. So now let's look at the battle plan. So Moses says to Joshua, this is the next slide. So Moses says to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. This is great. Moses has a plan. And I want to talk, go ahead on the next slide. So I want to talk about Moses' plan. So Moses is an incredible leader. Moses is, is I think, unarguably the, the sharpest guy on the block with the children of Israel. It's Moses, right? So there's a time, like in the passage after this, his father-in-law comes and says, so you're solving everyone's problems? And he's like, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the thing that is really interesting to me, in, in, um, in Exodus 14, we've got whiny people, stressed out leaders. God intervenes. In 16, we've got whiny people, stressed out leaders. 17, whiny people, stressed out leaders. But now this is a time where Moses is attacked and he remembers what God told him at the Red Sea. This is the first time where I don't see Moses saying to God, what am I supposed to do? The people are going to kill me. The people of Amalek come and they're getting attacked. The people of Amalek attack the children of Israel. And Moses just says, this is what we're going to do. I already know this. I've been here before. So God had already given Moses the battle plan for what to do when you're attacked. He already gave it to him at the crossing of the Red Sea. I'll just read that for you. I don't have a slide for it, but it's Exodus 14, 15 through 16. And God said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand that the people may go through. So right here, Joshua looks at what God already told him in the past when he was faced with the challenge. And he goes in and he says, this is what we're going to do. So Moses says, I'm going to take this staff in my hand. I'm going up on that hill. And then he assigns Joshua to do two things. He assigns Joshua to go choose the warriors and to go get in the fight. Now, I want to say something really, really, really important uh, to the leaders out there. A leader's role is not to go do the fight. A leader's role is not to create followers. The primary role of a leader, do you know what it is? The primary role of a leader is to make leaders. Moses could have gone and chose the people to go out into the fight. Moses had the wisdom and experience. He had the rod of God. He could have charged right into this thing and you know, smacked Amalek on the face with the rod. He didn't do that. He went up on the hill and he made a leader with Joshua. How important was this for Joshua? Joshua eventually goes out and he is in hundreds of fights with kings and armies. He goes out, but he was prepared because Moses made a leader. The second thing about this is this was a spiritual battle. Go ahead to the next slide. 
So we know that we are in a spiritual battle. In Ephesians 6, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. See, Moses realized something that I think a lot of us forget. Every battle that we face is two battles. I'm gonna say that again. Every battle that we face is two battles. You have the physical battle and you have the spiritual battle. The physical world is set inside of the spiritual world. So when you're doing battle, it's not just, my sister's so stupid. It's not just, our customers are unreasonable. It's not just, you know, this health plan is so difficult. There is always a secondary battle to the battle. And if we don't know how to fight a spiritual battle, we cannot expect to win a physical battle. There is a spiritual battle and a physical battle in every battle. So don't ignore either one. Moses didn't say, I'm going to go stand on the hill and hope that God smushes the Amalekites. He didn't ignore the physical battle. He sent Joshua out there. But at the same time, he said, I'm going to hold the staff of God in my hand. I'm going to raise it up. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So one of the things that, that bothers me uh, is when I have a question, I don't have an answer to. So I'm like, I'm reading through this passage like 600,000 times, getting ready for my sermon. And I'm like, what the heck? Why all of the hard? Why does everything have to be so hard? Why does there have to be Amalekites? Like God could have just smushed the Amalekites. Why the children of Israel, they're trying to take a rest. They're out in the desert. Why has this got to be so hard? Why is it so hard to read my Bible? Why is it so hard to just be nice? It's so hard. And you know, I was wrestling with that. And what God told me is that uh, to have spiritual maturity, you have to have a spiritual battle. So God cares about us being conformed into the likeness of his glory. And he allows spiritual battles to happen in our life so that we will be conformed into the likeness of his glory. We can't become more like Christ unless we do the things that Christ did. And that includes spiritual battles. There are blind that need to see. There are deaf who need to hear. There are lame who need to walk. And we are God's kingdom on earth. We are the children of God. We are the ones called to get in the battle. And we're not going to develop and become like Christ sitting on the sidelines. So the third thing is that Moses kept watch on the people. So he stands on the hill and he watched. So let's go to the next slide. I got, I got three questions. And I decided to do something a little different uh, in, my, in my sermon today is that it's really, I'm throwing it all on you. So if I don't give you some really good questions to wrestle with, then you're going to just like give me a grade at the end of the sermon. Like, yeah, that was pretty good. I like he made A minus. Maybe that was good. That's not the that's not the challenge when you listen to a sermon. 
When you listen to the sermon, no matter who the preacher is, the question is, what is God trying to say to me? And what do I have to do about it? So I want you to think about this battle with the Amalekites out in the desert and wrestle through what might God be trying to say to me and what do I have to do about it? So the first question is, if you're a leader, are you a leader maker or are you a follower maker? We've got all of these Instagram celebrities and everybody trying to be follower makers. In the kingdom of God, that is second place. That is not what it's all about. If you are in the kingdom of God, you become a leader maker. The second is, uh, who's your Moses? If you're out battling and you don't have a Moses up on the hill praying, you need to find a Moses. Guess what? You know how hard it is to find Moses? It's really hard. What do you have to do to find Moses? Well, you have to look at Moses and then you have to follow him around and you have to beg him to help you. But if you're going to go fight a battle, don't fight a battle without a Moses. Don't go into battle without spiritual covering. You know, who's the elders in your church? Who's the whatever you have? Who is your Moses? And then the third thing is remember what God has done. Your current battle is nothing new. God has given you victory. God has given his church victory. What has already you've crossed the Red Sea. You're in the kingdom of God. You're you're the children of the king. You have the spirit of God inside of you. What has God done for you? You're worried about the little thing here, this little battle when God has already saved a marriage. God has already moved you through the Red Sea. What should you remember as you face your current battles? All right, so let's look at Joshua. So that was Moses' role. Moses is up on the hill. So now we're looking at Joshua. And Joshua does three things. So Moses created the plan, but Joshua followed the instructions. Okay. Any Joshua's out there? My name is Joshua. You know the plans that I like to do, the ones that I came up with. I want to go fight and win. Now, it's beautiful here because Moses realized that's the point of the, the Joshua. Moses realized like, hey, you're going to get to pick your team and you're going to do the fight. But Joshua also did what Moses told him to do. It wasn't his plan. Now, okay, pay attention for a second. Well, hopefully you're paying attention to all the seconds. But just this second is a good one that I personally like. So I'll say pay attention. There is a Moses generation and there is a Joshua generation. And the Joshua generation is going out and conquering ground and territory and tearing down the kingdom of darkness. If you are a young person in this church, you are a Joshua generation. But I want to say something, Joshua generation. You got nothing if you don't have a Moses generation. If you don't have some gray hair behind you praying and sending you out, you are not going to win anything. The, the kingdom of God, the church of Christ is generational. You have children, you have young men, you have fathers, you have the Moses generation, you have the Joshua generation. Don't ignore the intergenerational fundamental need. Never fight alone. Don't go into the battle unless you have a Moses and a Joshua on that team. 
Sometimes a Moses thinks, well, I've had my time. I'm done. What? No, not at all. Um, Joshua builds a team. He goes through the camp and he says, who is on this team? And you can't build a team if you don't know people. So Joshua's been watching people a long time. Who's been faithful? Who stays up? Who keeps up with the camp? And then Joshua gets in the fight. So here's the questions. Joshua's, are you able to take instruction? Does it always have to be your plan or can you follow somebody else's plan? And the second one is, are you surrounded by warriors? Who are your friends? If, if God assigns you to go into a battle right now for his kingdom, are your friends the people who are ready to jump into battle or are your friends people who are ready to sit and watch Netflix? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I heard an ouch. <laughs> uh, are you surrounded by kingdom people? And then it's the same question. Are you in the battle? Are you in the battle? I thought about saying, um, what if we took for every hour of media that we watched, what if we took one-tenth of that and spent it praying for our lost neighbors and friends? So every time I watched an hour, I spent six uh, minutes on my knees. But, so I thought I would say that, but then I decided not to. You see what I did there? <laughs> I don't want it to be harsh, but literally, come on. I mean, we're going to stand before God and we've got all of these people straggling behind and lost and needy. And we're like, well, I'm, I'm cool. I'm with the camp. So I'm just going to chill out a little bit. I'm in my place of rest. I'm at my Rephidim. And Amalek is eating them for lunch. Do have we as a church lost compassion for the lost? Do we still care? Do we realize our, our whole culture is in a God ignorance reality? They are ignorant of God, which means they don't know anything about God. Well, where am I going to hear about God? If they're not here already, are they going to hear about it on social media? Are they going to learn about grace and peace and kindness and goodness and truth? Hmm, probably not. Are they going to get it from the latest movie? Hmm, no, you are God's voice. You, not anybody else. You, you are the voice of God for your neighbor, for your friend, for your coworker. There isn't anybody else being the representation of God. So I'm asking, are you in the battle? Or are you lagging behind or not in the battle? Not all of the children of Israel went out to fight Amalek, but those who were willing went. So here's the questions. Um, Are you able to take instructions? Are you surrounded by warriors? Are you in the battle? Okay, let's go to the next slide. So now we've got Aaron and her. And I like, if the first read through this, you think, um, wow, Joshua went and he won the battle. And then the second read through this, you go, wow, Moses stood on the hill and he really won the battle. Uh, for Joshua. 
But a third reading, you go, now, now let me think about this. So they fought all day long. So in the, in the Old Testament times, if you're going to go into battle, you go out in the morning. And then you fight all day. And in this passage, we hear that they went and they fought all day, right? So um, Moses held up his arms. So check this out, right? It's pretty easy to do. Or, well, now it's getting a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I got my arms up right now, and I don't really want to keep doing this very long. So you imagine doing this for 12 hours, having your arms lifted up like this. Guess what? Fighting in the battle, it ain't easy. Now, in the Old Testament, do you know what the posture of prayer is? Do you know when someone prays what they look like in the Old Testament when you're reading the prayers of David or the prayers of Moses or you're reading these prayers? This is what the prayers look like. This is the way you pray. You lift up your arms to God. So we've kind of adopted like this. We're going to go like this. But this is the Old Testament. So Moses is staying in prayer for a long time. But check out my boys, Aaron and her. So Aaron and her, they come up and they see Moses is tired. And so they get a rock and they put it under him. And then they, Moses's arms are lifted. And they're like, if your arms are lifted, my arms are lifted. I'm going to come and I'm going to lift up your arm on this side. I'm going to come and I'm going to lift your arm on this side. So you've got Moses and you've got Aaron and her that are right there throughout this whole battle. Let me tell you, kingdom battles. You need a Moses. You need a Joshua. You need Aaron and her. Moses, when he planned the battle, he knew who was necessary. Actually, I'm not so sure that Moses knew he really needed Aaron and her because he felt the weight of responsibility for the children of Israel and going on the hill. But you know who, need, who knew that Moses needed Aaron and her? Aaron and her knew that Moses needed Aaron and her. And sometimes Moses just gets in his zone. And he's just serving and loving, and he doesn't realize, oh, I actually can't hold my arms up for 12 hours at a time. That's going to break me, and I won't be able to walk for a week. Um, you need a Moses, you need a Joshua, you need Aaron and Hur. Okay, so here's a question for the Aaron and Hurs of us that are out there. The first one is, are you paying attention to the needs of others? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I ain't Moses. I don't want a million people yelling at me in the desert. Or maybe you're like, I'm not Joshua. I, I would get my butt whooped in a second by any Amalekite. Guess what? You still have an incredibly important role, just as important as Moses or Joshua. Your job is to build support and your job is to lift up arms. So are you paying attention to the needs of others? It's really, really difficult to pay attention to the needs of others when you're focused on yourself. Guilty. <laughs> uh, if I'm just looking at my needs, I need this, I need that. I'm not worried about anybody else. Are you paying attention to the needs of others? Are your eyes open to see, oh, maybe that guy needs a little help. Maybe they need a little support. Maybe I should step in there and not give them another Moses task. 
<laughs> Moses, go fix this. We got, our water is broken. <laughs> uh, maybe it's, hey, I wonder, Moses, is, this is probably pretty hard having everybody whining at him all day. Maybe I should go and see if I can help him. Uh, the second thing is, are you available to go at a moment's notice? There is no hesitation here. Aaron and her are with Moses. They're not even mentioned, but they're ready. I'm ready. Or do you have things that are bogging you down to where you're not ready to go get in the battle because I'm kind of tied up with this over here and my hobby over here is so fun and I'm, I'm stuck over here. If you're too bogged down to get in the battle, you're not going to be able to help. And then finally is, are you living in community with others? Okay, so here's, here's the plan. This is the battle plan. Do you have a Moses generation? This is a message really for any church. Who's your Moses generation in your church? Do you have a Joshua generation? Who's the Joshua generation in your church? And do you have Aaron and her supporting the work? Fundamental, critical ingredient for doing any kind of kingdom work. So let me, I'm going to do this. Um, make sure nobody's out here falling asleep. How many of you um, are a, a father? Raise your hand. God, God crushed me with this. You are a Moses for your family. You. Keep that hand up. These are Moseses for their family. They need support. They need errands and hers. All of us fathers, we need this. All right, you can put your hands down. Who's a Joshua? Who has a kingdom calling? Bethany, put your hand up. Put your hand up. I'm going to tell you that the kingdom of darkness quakes when it sees these people. Who are, keep your hands up. Put your hands up. These are Joshua's. I am a Joshua. We have a role. Now listen, you guys all saw the Moseses. Make sure you're getting instructions. And make sure that you're getting somebody that is watching over you and helping you. And put your hands down, Joshua. Who's the Aaron and her? Guess what? Everybody here is the Aaron and her. This is what I love about this. You know who raises their hand for Aaron and her? Nobody. <laughs> Except my wife. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what. Uh, you know who sees you? God sees you. He sees you. You know how important your work is? Setting up the little thing over here in the morning, giving a hug, uh, sending a check, uh, just calling out of the blue, being at the thing always. You're winning the battle. You are winning the battle. Joshua and Moses are chump change without Aaron and her. So here's the battle. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So he took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. So let's talk a little bit about the battle. So in the battle, go ahead to the next slide. Um, I love Old Testament. 
Man, get a Strong's Concordance. If you don't have a Strong's Concordance, get a Strong's Concordance and just go through the Old Testament and look up the words. So I was asking God, like, what's the big deal about the rod? Like, why the rod? And I looked up that word rod, and it actually says a branch. And just in the Strong's definition for the word branch, the rod of Moses, it's so complex. It says a lance, a staff, a scepter. So this word rod is interchangeable. What's a scepter used for? Ruling as a king. What's a, what's a staff used for? Support as a shepherd. What's a spear used for? Tearing down enemy strongholds and going into new ground. So this thing, this rod, this one word, you've got prophet, priest, and king right in this thing that is in Moses' hand. But I started thinking about, well, okay, so Moses, when he lifts up the rod, they win. And when he lets the rod down, they lose. So I'm like, what's with that? And I remember when, when God talked to Moses about the rod. Do you remember uh, when, when God told Moses about the rod? What he said was, this is when he's telling Moses to go deliver the children of Israel from slavery. And Moses is saying, I don't want to do that. And God said, the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So God used this staff in so many ways. The plagues, he used the staff, he threw it on the ground, the snake ate the other snakes, he, Red Sea, strike the rock. Um, <laughs> first of all, the rod is, represents Jesus. Guess what else represents Jesus? The stone that Moses sits on. Moses is supported by Jesus. But here's the thing I want to point out about the rod. Rod's in the air, they're winning the battle. Rod is on the ground, they're losing the battle. So I'm going to ask you the same question that God asked Moses. What's in your hand? What is the rod that God has put in your hand? Moses was a shepherd. And so... God said to Moses, okay, you got a shepherd's crook. I'm going to put some Jesus in that. Moses took his shepherding from sheep to children of Israel. But here's the thing. What is in your hand? Maybe you are an incredibly gifted artisan. Maybe you are an incredibly gifted business thinker. Maybe you are an incredibly gifted baker. Maybe you're incredibly gifted whatever. Maybe you are a mediocrity gifted baker, artisan, business person. What are you doing with what God has put you put in your hand? Is the thing that God has put in your hand being lifted up and surrendered to God for his will? Or is the thing being used in your hand sat on the side and being used for your will. What are you doing with the thing that is in your hand? Your children, they're in your hand. Your car, it's in your hand. 
your job, it's in your hand. Your ministry, it's in your hand. How do you win when you lift that thing up to Christ and you say, it's all yours, Jesus? Do with this car what you will. Do with this checkbook what you will. Do with this relationship what you will. The children of Israel annihilated Amalek because of anointing. Anointing happens when you take the thing that God has put in your hand and you use it for the kingdom of God. The children of Israel were anointed when Moses was lifting this thing up into the air. Um, that's Moses's, that's how Moses won the battle. Moses took the thing, everything that was given to him, he lifted it up to God. Now, how did, uh, so let's look at the question here. What's in your hand? Okay, we, we, we killed that. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, not like overkill that. <laughs> um, the battle. So what did um, Aaron and Hur do? So check this out. So they found and built a support block for Moses. As, you know, who needs support? What can you do to get underneath them? Uh, they held up Moses's arms. Who needs courage? How can you pour courage into them? Uh, they join the battle through prayer. What fights are going on that you need to join into? And they were there and they were steady for the entire day. Stay in the fight. All right, let's look at Joshua. Let's see if we can see any symbolism with Joshua. Joshua's out in the battle. The name Joshua actually is uh, Jehovah. Like the when people called Jesus, Jesus, they were calling him Joshua. It's the same word in the Old Testament. So uh, I, don't, I don't need to say Jesus is all over the Old Testament. <laughs> Jesus is super all over Exodus 17. He's in the rock beating the water. He's in the staff breaking the rock and pouring out water. He's in the support for Moses. He's in the staff lifted up. He's in the battle moving forward. Jesus is everywhere. Jesus is surrounding you. Jesus is out fighting that battle so you can stand on the hill and pray. Jesus is up on the hill praying for you so you can go out and fight. Jesus is going to give you the strength you need to lift up somebody else's arm. It's the Old Testament, the New Testament is Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's Jesus. So he's there. He's in the victory. Uh, so check this out. So you've got Amalek is the flesh. The word edge of the sword. Joshua overwhelmed Amalek with, and his people with the edge of the sword. The word edge there is mouth. And then sword. We know what the New Testament says a sword is, right? The word of the Lord is the sword of God. So if you're out doing battle and you're Joshua and you want to overcome the flesh, the strongest weapon you have is the edge of the sword. It's the mouth of the word. You put that scripture into every situation in your life and you will find absolute victory. What the word, it's in the, in the uh, I don't know what translation it is, but it says Joshua discomfited the Amalekites. And that is a, an interesting word. The word discomfited means it makes people lay down and put their arms down scared to death. When you bring out the word of God 
against the flesh and the world and the devil, it makes them lay down scared to death. How much word do we have coming out of our mouths? What is coming out of our mouth? You know, we're told this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it daily. So then you shall have favor and good success in everything that you do. If you don't have victory, you don't have enough word on your mouth. All right, let's look at the victory. Check this out. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek. I'm going to tell you what, right now we've got this stupid flesh suit and God is going to utterly wipe it out. Heaven is a place where I'm not fighting in the flesh anymore. That thing is going to be done. I can win the battle today. And if that thing rears up its head again, I've got to have my Moses and Joshua and Aaron and her. But there's a day coming when we won't have sin anymore. The hope of heaven, the hope of glory is real. The Lord said, write this as a memorial. Moses built an altar and called the name of it. The Lord is my banner. Is the Lord your banner? saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. We are in a battle. We are not in a vacation. The kingdom of God is not complete while there are people dying and lost. We are in a battle. We are getting our, our butt kicked by the flesh because we, we're not looking for Moses and Joshua and Aaron. We're looking for media and success in things that are empty and short instead of our love from God that is eternal and never ending. Listen, I don't know how many churches are out there fighting but I know one, because I'm standing here. And I know JD. And I'm going to ask you, are you in the battle? Get in the battle. And never, ever fight alone. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.